If you got your Bible for a few moments, out of the book of Micah, the book of Micah, chapter 7 and verse 18. Micah 7 and verse 18. Our banner is from Deuteronomy 4 and 7, but there's other scriptures like it. And when I see the question posed, a rhetorical question, because it's always answered in the scripture, who has a God like our God? Amen. Who has a God like our God? And normally my mind goes to his power rather than his person. And it's easy to just be so power-oriented, that you see the greatness of God, but you don't necessarily see the grace and the graciousness of God. To see the power, the might of God, and not see the love and the mercy of God. And if you're not careful, you get into an imbalanced Christian walk, and Pentecostals have a tendency to be power-centered instead of person-centered. And I know a lot of Pentecostals that have visions, dreams, interpretations, speak in tongues, operate in particular peculiar gifts of the Spirit, but don't love God like they should love Him. They're always on a power trip. And you don't fall in love with the power of God. You fall in love with the person God is. And you have to know that person for yourself. So when we talk about who has a God like our God, we need to start boasting in His person, in who He is, in His character, out of which that grace and that mercy flows to you and flows to me. I want to read this from Micah. Do you know where we're going today? Have we established the thought clearly today? So we don't meander around. And I'm going to try not to chase any rabbits while we're doing this. You know, if what chasing rabbits are, you start on one subject and zoom, you're off on another, and then zoom, you're off on another. And by the time you get done, nobody knows what God wanted to tell us. And the Bible said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And God speaks clear, and God speaks plainly. Listen to what it says in Micah 7 and verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee? Now listen to what this question is answered in Scripture. That pardoneth iniquity. That passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever. Because he delights in mercy. He delights in mercy. Amen. I like it from another translation that said, Who is a God like you who pardons sin? Who forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. That's why the scripture said in the New Testament, We don't have a high priest in Christ that is passed into the heavens that is not touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That's not just our aches and pains and heartache and heartbreak. It is our weaknesses, our tendencies to be discouraged and distracted. Amen. Every person in here has weaknesses because you live in a faulty body. And you live in a fallen world. And he's touched 
with the feeling of our infirmities, our weaknesses. Let us, therefore, because he understands us completely and the kind of God that he is, he responds to us so powerfully and positively. Let us, therefore, come boldly before the throne of grace. Now, you don't just go there to get grace. But you have to get grace before you can get anything else. So if you need healing, you don't just go to a throne of healing. You go to the throne of grace to obtain what? Number one, grace, mercy, and grace to help in the time of any need. But the first step in obtaining anything from God is to qualify for His mercy and grace. Everybody say mercy and grace. Most people that need healing are just headed to some throne of healing. Just wanting to hear how his stripes have healed us. Well, his stripes didn't just heal us from a physical problem. They made it possible for physical healing to occur. But with his stripes, listen, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 24. Who himself bare our sins in his own body. Starts with what he did in order to forgive us and pardon us. It doesn't start with what he did to help us and heal us. Getting quiet in here. Most people seek healing and not the healer. And the wonderful thing is if you can, if you can touch the hem of his garment, healing flows. It flows from him. But you've got to trust Him enough to receive it. Amen? It's not getting God to grant it. It's coming to a place of faith and trust that we might receive it. So it starts with the throne of grace. You can't approach God any other way for anything. You can't just pull out some great faith and show Him how much you're believing Him for it. You have to come to the throne of grace to receive any answered prayer, any help from God. Let us therefore come boldly where? Before the what? The throne of grace that we might obtain what? First and foremost, mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. You can't even show him the merit of your faith. Some people think if I show him my great faith, he'll respond to me. No. How did the blind man get healed? By showing him how great faith he had? What did the blind Bartimaeus say to Jesus when he was passing by? Son of David, look how much I'm believing you. Son of David, look how faithfully I'm trusting you. No, son of David, have Mercy on me. And Jesus stopped in his tracks and said, bring that man to me. That's appealing to what? The throne of grace. Appealing to God for mercy. Everybody in this room needs mercy. No one's good enough to be saved. No one has great enough faith to be healed. Unless your faith is based on His mercy and grace toward you. 
question isn't, does he have the power? We could preach that all day long. It's a given. He couldn't be God if he didn't have the power. And if he didn't know how to use that power in your behalf, exactly how to fix you. Did you know they were Rolls Royce when they first started making them? A man had a Rolls Royce broke down. And he was somewhere tooling around Ireland or Scotland, but he bought the car and had it delivered in England. And when he contacted Rolls Royce, they said, don't touch it. Don't touch it. And don't let nobody else touch it. Because if anybody else touches it, the warranty is no good. It has to be a Rolls Royce certified mechanic. (laughs) And they sent the certified mechanic. He fixed it, got it on the road. and, And they said, you know, we don't have any record now. Since it's fixed and on the road, we don't have any record of a broken down Rolls Royce. If God fixes what's wrong in you and me, beginning with forgiving our sin, amen? If He does it, if He fixes it for us through the blood of Jesus Christ, there is no record that you ever sinned. If you you told Him, Father... Do you remember when I did that? He would say, no, I distinctly remember forgetting that. Because if he forgives and doesn't forgive, he's no better than us. Because I don't know how many people, Christians included, have said these words. I can forgive them. I'll never forget. Honey, if you don't forget, you haven't forgiven. You're holding something in your heart. You've got to get past that. Your brother Venable, I can't, why, I can't get it out of my mind. Of course you can. Of course we can. Amen. The only way you can't get it out of your mind is to have no control over your mind. And God has given you the Holy Spirit to help you with that issue. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are pure. Boy, it's a, this is a big old filter, isn't it? Whatsoever things are holy. Whatsoever things are of good report. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever thing are praiseworthy, makes you want to shout hallelujah to God. Amen. Finally, my brethren, think. And when it connotates in the Greek, it says, think only on these things. Don't ever think about who hurt you. Don't ever think about what they did to you. Don't ever think about the injustice that was done. Amen. Think about the mercy of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the sweetness of Jesus, the promise of God to never leave you and never forsake you, but to go with you all the way. Don't ever look back. Amen. Look forward. Forgetting. Come on. Forgetting. Paul had to forget when they took him out and stoned him and left him for dead. He wouldn't have been preaching in another city. He would have been somewhere like a turtle with his head pulled in like Timothy was before Paul wrote him the letter. Can you say, man? You've got to get past the past and you've got to get control of your thinker. God will help you obey Him. God will help you do His will. God will help you to get rid of stinking thinking. Look at somebody and say, stinking thinking. Amen? God will help you. God gave you the Holy Spirit, one called alongside to do what? To help. Help you what? Help you with everything you need. 
that pertains to life and godliness. Hallelujah. Praise God. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are holy. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any praise. Anything that's praiseworthy. Anything that is lovely. Think only on these things. Now I don't know what. I know what I have to do to clean my act up. And I believe before this service is over. The Holy Spirit's going to help you to know what you need to do. To help with your stinking thinking. Amen. There's music that will give you stinking thinking. You have to choose your music. If you're listening to music about adultery and affairs and getting drunk and getting high and, and the nasty stuff that's out there and then come to church into the holy presence of God with that old stinking mind that's all cluttered with the junk. Amen. We can't, we can't dwell in those areas without it affecting us or infecting us. When I hear good worship, I want to worship. It just draws me in, praise God. And the Bible said to help your, with your stinking thinking, the Bible said to speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Always making melody in your heart to the Lord. Making melody in my heart. Making melody in my heart. Making melody in my heart unto the King of Kings. Worship and adore Him. Worship and adore Him, making melody in my heart unto the King of kings. And then it doesn't stop with speaking to yourself. The Bible said, here's how we help each other with this same issue. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you. Mount Calvary tells me so. Speaking to one another. And that means exhorting, building up. Oh, listen. Building yourself up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. And when you start praying in the Holy Ghost, it's not just tongues alone. Amen. But He begins to direct your thoughts. He begins to put the melody in your heart. He gives you a life song of praise and worship to the Lord. And when you get in that atmosphere of praise, the news can't get in there. The bad news can't come in there. This is a private place. It's actually called a secret place. Of the Most High. What is that place? That's where you and He come into a holy presence. Hallelujah. And in that presence, in His presence, there's what? Something nothing in the world will ever give you. There's fullness of joy. And at His right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. Glory be to God. So today in communion, what is communion for? To remember Him. And not remember him feeding the multitude and saying, man, look at all the stuff God's going to give me. And not just thinking of him healing the sick. Although if you need healing, he's a healer. Make no mistake about it. But you don't just seek 
healing from Him. You seek to know Him enough to receive it from Him. The woman with the issue of blood believed that Jesus would heal her. She believed it to the point that she said, If I can but touch the hem of His garment. Why the hem of His garment? Because those priests in that day Amen. They, they, had, they had these tassels on the end of their robe. And remember the story of Ruth? When she didn't have a husband and Boaz was sleeping, she snuck into the bedroom. She grabbed his robe and held it over her head. And you know what she was saying? She's saying, if you will, cover me. If you will cover me, if you will cover me, I will, I, will, I will have all the blessings of the seed of Abraham. I will not only have a husband, I will have a husband that's the seed of Abraham. And I will come into that covenant not being a Jew. If you marry me, if you take me to be your own. And she took that robe and held it over her head. This woman, knowing the Jewish culture and the ancient customs, she wasn't just touching an electrical socket full of healing and it it shocked her the the whatever out of her body she was pulling his robe over her head and she said lord if you would have enough compassion and enough love and i believe you have to help me i put your robe over my head cuz i need a covering from you i need a grace and mercy covering from you but if i get that grace and mercy covering healing is going to come help is going to come deliverance is going to come whatever my need is is going to come because I'm covered by your spirit and your spirit is love producing grace and mercy not just power amen it's not an electrical socket that you plug into with your faith it's a person that's filled with love like no one has ever loved therefore come before listen who has a God like our God wow he's mighty Yes, he is. See, the issue of your faith is not, does he have the power to heal you? That's a given. Power to help you. That's a given. Does he have the knowledge? He's omnipotent. He has the power. All powerful. He's omniscient. He's omniscient. That means he not only has the power, he knows how to use it. He knows how to fix you. He made you. He knows how to fix you. Hallelujah. But that's not the issue. That's the easy part of faith. You know what the issue is? Will He take that omniscience and that omnipotency? Will He use that power to help you? Will He release it to you? See, the woman knew something about Jesus. He didn't, she didn't have to get Him to decide to heal her. She touched the hem of his garment. And when I say touch, don't think of plugging into this electrical outlet and power flowing. She pulled that, that robe over her head. If I could get a hold of the hem. Why the hem in particular? Why the hem? Because you grab that garment, you put it over your head. That's what Ruth did to ask Boaz to take her under his watch care and make her his wife and cover her. 
Hallelujah. And it brought a Gentile woman into the blessings of Abraham. Hallelujah. Isn't that incredible? Glory to God. I've been in Pentecost. I'm Pentecost from head to foot and all in between. Amen. I was, I was born again in the fire of God in a camp meeting service down in Waimama. Amen. They, they, when, when prophecy came, that place was so big, filled with people. Prophecy was come. You didn't even, you didn't even need a microphone to hear that thing all over that building. God amplified whoever was given the message and God amplified whoever interpreted it. And I mean the power of God was in that place. The night I got saved, I couldn't feel my feet touching the ground. It's like I got on a, one of those, not escalators, but not elevators, but escalators, something. That I just, I never, I never remember my feet touching the ground, but I remember getting to that altar. Can you say, man, the power of God was all over me. The presence of God was all over me. Amen. And I appreciate that power and that presence. But you don't fall in love with that power or that presence of power. You fall in love with a person or you don't fall in love at all with Jesus. Let us therefore come boldly before the what? The throne of grace that we might obtain mercy. Mercy precedes grace. Here's the, here's the chronological order. Mercy comes first. Without mercy, there is no such thing as grace. So that's why, amen, blind Bartimaeus knew that God is a merciful God. And if Jesus truly is God incarnate, if Jesus came out from him, what did his faith make its appeal to? His power? No, that's a given does he have the power certainly he does will he use it in your behalf that's the flashpoint of faith you need to get to know your god you get to know his person his character who he is hallelujah but we've known and believed the what the love that god has for us for god is love he has power but he is love and not love like us the word for our love, there's two. One of them really isn't love at all. It's lust. And in the right context of marriage, there's nothing wrong with sexual desire. One amen. One head saying yes and the rest of you. Okay, we've got a hand wave. All the men are amening. You ladies, come on, help me. Amen. It's called eros, erotic, erotica. It's a Greek word. But the best love is the love that's not based on sexuality. That's a byproduct of the best love that man can offer is philos. Philos. It's where we get the name Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. And to the church of Philadelphia was a great message from Jesus because Philadelphia means brotherly love. And God enjoys it when, when we have brotherly love. Y'all talked about it this morning in prayer. You prayed it. How good and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. It is like the anointing. Look how free-flowing because the Holy Spirit isn't grieved and He isn't quenched. I'd rather have a few people in unity than a whole bunch of people divided. 
Amen. I pray wherever we move and whenever we move, the only people that move with us is people that want to become one with us and, and don't want to pick and nitpick and, and divide. Listen to me carefully, because where that exists, Terry, there's a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Bible said it's like the anointing oil that ran down Aaron's beard. At, but this is a lot of oil because they didn't do it with the little olive oil bottle they didn't there's nothing wrong with anointing with the two fingers but when they anointed back then they took a ram's horn they filled it till it was running over and they took the whole ram's horn of oil and poured it over the head of the person to be anointed and it ran down his face ran down his beard and it wasn't well trimmed like mine it was a long beard it ran down his beard ran down his garment and dripped from the hem of his garment Everybody say he was permeated. He was saturated. See, the anointing is supposed to permeate you and saturate you. Not just a little dabble, do you? God didn't give you the Holy Spirit to just give you a liver shiver on Sunday morning. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But to be filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. It is like the anointing. That dripped from Aaron's beard and ran down and dripped from his garment there under those conditions. There will I command the blessing. Oh, hallelujah. If we could ever qualify for the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. The God who commanded let there be a firmament. Bang! I believe in the Big Bang Theory, although it's not a theory in the Bible. Amen. A Big Bang did occur. God said, let there be a firmament, and bang! There was a firmament. Can you say man? Hallelujah. It must have been a Big Bang. Woo! And the Bible said, let all the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. And when God Almighty said there, I will command the blessing. You know what he said in Deuteronomy? If you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do what he commands you this day, that spirit of obedience. He said, I'll command the blessing on your storehouse. God who commanded light to shine out of darkness is going to command the blessing on your storehouse. Folks, I'm tired of begging for a blessing. I want Him to command it. I want to do what He's blessing. Because if I do what He's blessing, the blessing is commanded. If He commands it, the devil can't stop it. Circumstances can't upset it. Nothing in this world or universe can stop it if God commands it. Prophet obeys God. Famine comes in the land. God says, go to the brook Cherith. For I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. The birds didn't know why they were doing what they were doing. But they had to do it. Because <laughs> they were under God's command. They went into the king's chamber. 
They got the choicest delicate. Oh, by the way, the king is eating high on the hog while everybody else is starving to death. That's the way it always goes. Can you see those ravens flying into the king's chamber? He's getting ready to eat that succulent meat, and they grab it and fly away with it. There's an old prophet sitting by the brook Cherith because he said, I've commanded them to feed you where? Anywhere you want to go? No, where I told you to go. Because at the brook Cherith, that's where they're bringing the meat. Amen. If you go somewhere else, you're going to starve to death. But if you go where I told you to go in, and by obedience, amen, you're going to be well taken care of. Oh, and he told you how many times you could eat that rich meat too. Amen. Morning and evening. You say, well, what do I snack on? Do I go to Mickey D's? No, there wasn't no Mickey D's. It was so good and so filling, you didn't need a snack. You needed a nap after eating all that good stuff. Time you wake up, it's time to eat again. Time you eat that, it's time to go to sleep. Time you wake up, it's time for breakfast. Here they come. I mean, seriously, church, I've commanded. I, the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, commanded those ravens to feed His servant. Because He was at the there, the place that God told Him to go and be. Oh, by the way, when God is blessing, sometimes things happen that you wonder because you can get so comfortable in that place God put you, like here for all these years. But the brook dried up. And the reason for the famine was no rain. And the water dried up. And so, of course, the prophet sought God, and God said, Go to Zarephath. For I have already commanded. And the woman didn't know she was under God's command. But you'll see it in the story. The woman had no idea what was going to happen. Oh, by the way, he didn't just do it to preserve the prophet. He did it to preserve the widow. I'm going to lose some of you now. Amen. Come on, he did it to preserve her. She needed to give so he could bless her. Oh, we're touching a sore spot right now. We don't receive offerings just because we have a need. And the ministry has a need. We receive offerings because you need a blessing. Oh, Lord have mercy. It's sore. It's so sore. It's like a sunburn. You need to give because you need a blessing. Don't tell me you don't need a blessing. I've commanded a widow woman, just a little woman, widow woman. No, that's not good. (laughs) A woman whose husband's deceased and her and her son are about to die in the famine. And guess what she needs to do to keep from dying in the famine? (laughs) You better say it. I'm getting so many hard looks. You say it. Do what now? Feed the prophet. Wait a minute. 
This ain't a rich woman. We're talking about a widow with a son, and they ain't got enough for themselves, and she the prophet. Make a place for him in her home and make sure he has a meal that evening. Well, that don't sound right. Between harvests, sometimes they would almost run out of everything. There was corn to eat, but there was also seed corn. Seed corn was not to eat. It was to plant so you didn't starve the next season. You might have to cut back a little bit in order to preserve the seed corn. But if you eat the seed corn, you're sure going to die of hunger because you have no seed to plant a crop. I'm not talking about the excessive use of seed for the need. I'm talking about the spiritual law of giving and receiving. He that sows liberally shall reap liberally. He that sows sparingly Wait a minute. You mean we're determining this? We're determining this? We're determining this? We're deter- See, it's not just because one, one church hired, a, hired a, a, one of these professional fundraising organizations. And, and they said, if you want to keep the money coming in, then you have to stay in a state of perpetual crisis. What will stimulate people to give is letting them know that you're in desperate need. If the need is ever met, don't tell anybody. I love to be able to tell somebody when the need is met. I'd hate to have to be afraid nobody wouldn't give because the need was met, but they would rejoice. They held a mortgage for $50,000 after we come into this land and this building. Said they wasn't going to, but they did. Because God commanded them to. How do you know? Because they didn't want to. Said they wasn't going to do it. Realtors said ain't no need asking them. They said they'd never hold a mortgage. If you ain't got the cash, forget about it. I said, well, in that case, we don't want it. God must not want us to have it. But if He wants us to have it, they will reconsider. And they reconsidered. And two weeks later, they said, they said they'd hold it for y'all. They didn't know us from Adam's house cat. Well, God must have talked to their heart. God must have commanded them. I sure didn't twist their arm. I was very flexible. I said, we'll just keep looking. We don't have to have that. We don't have to have this. We just want to be where God wants us to be in anyway. Hallelujah. It's so good to get free like that, Brother Shaw. I just want to qualify for his blessing. I don't want to chase no more blessings. I want the blessings chasing me. Can you say amen? If you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all that I command you, Deuteronomy 28, 1, this day, that spirit of willing to obey God, that, that, oh, that, that willful, obedient heart, he said, he said, thou shalt be, he said, these blessings, say it with me, these blessings, they shall come upon thee, and they shall overtake thee. Are you seeking the blessing, or is the blessing seeking you? You can't figure that out? If the blessing's coming upon you and overtaking you, then the blessing... Is seeking you. God has commanded the blessing on you. And He said, it don't matter where you are. It'll find you. 
Blessed thou shalt be in the city. Oh, glory. Blessed thou shalt be in the field. Hallelujah. Blessed thou shalt be when thou goest out. And blessed thou shalt be when thou comest in. Blessed thou shalt be when thou risest up. And blessed thou shalt be when thou sittest down. For I will command the blessing on your storehouse. Don't patty cake. Elton John gets better than that. Come on, give God a hand. Amen. It commanded blessings worth celebrating. Now, if you are and I are disobedient, we can't qualify for it. We can't expect it. I got a birthday card for my son one time. It was a, one of those, you know, funny cards. Well, it wasn't that funny to him because <laughs> it didn't have nothing in it. I did something else for him. But anyway, one year, my son, I can't believe it, my son actually for my birthday, and this was years ago before he had, you know, the physical problems and the physical problems, money and, and his body. But years ago, I had a birthday. I was working. I was bivocational. And, and he, had my, he had a friend that, that came to your house and detailed your car cost you but they'd come and detail it for you wow a detailer came to my house while i'm working and detailed my car wow what a birthday present that was one day we had a pastor's appreciation and it got all over the place so i was working amen i come out and sherry had called my boss sherry, you you know you got quite a woman there amen that's why he puts those romantic songs on Facebook for her. I heard one of them. Is you is or is you ain't my baby. Amen. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Am I right? Terry, verify. But he puts others more romantic than that one on there. But she is very persuasive. She called my boss man while I was preaching at Embassy Suites in the in, in, hotel uh, in that room that we had set aside for us. And she asked, she said, can, 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 can buy, um, this is our pastor's anniversary. And he said yes. And he didn't say yes to stuff like that. But it blew him away that a church wanted to bless their minister instead of get rid of him. It blew him away. I think that's what softened him. Said he's been our pastor and he's been faithful. And would you give him the rest of the day off? No, or give him the afternoon off. Whatever it was, give him. I was going to have to leave early and go to work, and they were going to give me about four hours of that eight-hour shift. And guess what? We, I didn't know it. We walked outside. I was ready to jump in the car and run and get dressed and take my shift after preaching, and got out there, and there was a stretch limousine waiting for me and my gal and I thought what she's called my boss and I got permission to come in four hours late there's a stretch limo waiting for to drive me nobody in it but me I know everybody else wanted to ride but nobody got to ride in it but me and I wasn't even dead that was the glory of it all. I got to do it while I was still alive. And they took me to Dale Mabry to Sam Seltzer's Steakhouse. 
got out of the limousine and went in and ate a big old steak and baked potato and salad and Thousand Island dressing. Come on, oh Lord, the carnality is eating us up right now. It was juicy and it was good. But what was better was the love, the appreciation. Amen. It blew me away too. It went around the plant. Nobody ever heard of such a thing. Especially out of a little church. Oh, of course, to keep me humble. Sam Seltzer Steakhouse. Who did that? Terry? Look look at Terry. Look at Terry. Yeah. Let me feel. Let me feel. See, there's two nubs there. He filed down his horns. He just filed down his horn. But you feel there's two nubs there. Terry put a whoopee cushion in my chair in Sam Souser's steakhouse. And when I sit down, you know what a whoop? It doesn't say whoopee. Okay, let's put it that way. <laughs> and everybody in the place, they're looking at me and I'm thinking, it wasn't me, it was him. <laughs> That'll keep you humble. If you're going to ride in a limbo, you, you, just remember, if God lets you ride in a limbo, you limbo. If God lets you ride in a limo, you're going to sit on a whoopee cushion soon. Can you say amen? God must have commanded the blessing. God must have put it in somebody's heart. God must have wanted to bless me. The commanded blessing is an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. Go down to Zarephath, for I have already, before you even get there, if you will go where I'm telling you to go, I have commanded. Not I will command, I've already done it. I preceded you. I have already anticipated your need, but more than that, I've anticipated her need. Don't just think he was meeting the need of his prophet. He was meeting the need of that widow woman. By giving her an opportunity to do what? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. dun. What's the music they play in the quiz show when you're just about to run out of time? <laughs> give her the opportunity to give. Amen. Give her the opportunity to hard to say it, isn't it, sometimes? Let's try give. It's tough, isn't it? Give. Here's the spiritual law. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. And running over. Men shall give Unto your bosom. God's going to command somebody somewhere to bless you. And they're going to find you. And they're going to bless you. I want to qualify. Amen. And, and I, want to, I want you to understand that after the cross, you are under a commanded blessing. And the blessing that is so rich and wonderful and powerful is that Jesus has paid the price in full so that you could be pardoned and your sin could be forgiven. Who has a God like our God that does what? That lets you ride in a limo and eat a steak. No. That pardons your iniquity. 
that passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage that retaineth not his anger because he delights in mercy. Therefore, let us come boldly, the New Testament says, before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. If you believe God has the power, but you don't qualify for the mercy and the grace, the devil would cheat you and defraud you out of what God has freely given you. You know what the Bible calls the devil? What well, you know what devil means? D-E-V-I-L? In the Greek, it means a maligner. It means somebody that wants to pick apart Brother Taylor and find every flaw that he has and present it to God and accuse him. Oh, by the way, you got another accuser. Now, the devil you can handle through the blood of Jesus, but this other one's tougher than that. It's amazing. The first accuser you have is the devil. The devil, the maligner. That's what it means, diablos, the accuser. The Bible said in Revelation 12, Now, since the cross, since you've been saved, is the accuser of our brethren cast down that accused them before God day and night, and they overcame him by becoming sinlessly perfect. No, you can't overcome him that way because you can't obtain that place. You can be perfectly forgiven. You can be pardoned. You can be granted righteousness because of the blood of Jesus, but you can't be sinlessly perfect. No one in heaven is sinlessly perfect. By grace, you are saved. Through faith, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But there's another accuser. Everybody say conscience. Your own conscience. I went to pray for a man with stomach cancer. He was in church for years. He played music and a bluegrass gospel band. He never missed church because he loved to play his instrument. But he missed following Jesus all those years. And he had things in his life that were clearly sin. And I went to visit him in the hospital to pray the prayer of faith that saves the sick so the Lord can do what? Raise them up. And when I went to pray for him, I said, are you ready? Because I came in faith. I came with the promise of God, armed with a promise from the Word of God, with His stripes you were healed. Hallelujah. Amen. And he had been forgiven. And he had repented. He had repented. God had forgiven him. That's what puts the devil out of business. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? Who is he that condemneth? It's God that justifies. It's Christ that rose from the dead for our justification. Who is he that condemneth? When God has pronounced us right with himself. Well, no devil can. But your conscience will. So the Bible said, having your conscience sprinkled from evil through the high priestly ministry of Jesus. And you know what that means? It doesn't just mean sprinkled, meaning all that old bad stuff. It means the guilt and the shame that is contained 
in the conscience that accuses us. If you don't get rid of that, you will never feel qualified to receive what God has provided for you. Because the conscience will hold that up. The devil will amplify it and magnify it. How did you overcome the devil? He said, now is the accuser of our brethren cast down that accused them before God day and night. Everybody say he never lets up. He never relents. And they overcame him. Starts with one element. With the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony. And that is not just a positive confession alone. Amen. It is testifying to the veracity of the blood of Jesus Christ. That it has atoned for my sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But can the blood of Jesus? Did the blood of Jesus? Absolutely. How many are blood bought? How many are blood washed in here? Hallelujah. You need to let the devil know it because he never lets up. You need to never let up. Can you say man? There's power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from the what? The burden of sin. There's power in the blood. Would you or evil, even in your conscience of victory win? There's power in the blood. Can you say, man, we're getting ready to celebrate that blood in just a few minutes. And to claim the power of it and the purpose of it. The promise of it in my life and in yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Was it Sigmund Freud? The psychologist, one of those great psychoanalyst psychologists. He said, I visit people in sanatoriums. And he said, if I could convince those people that I visit that they are forgiven, 90% of them could walk out sane. He says, what's driven them insane is the guilt and weight of all of those things in their life that they're carrying in their conscience and subconscious mind. And that's why we need the cleansing of our conscience through the same blood that disarms and dismantles the devil's accusations. How many in this room have a past? Wow. Everybody has a past? How many has anything in that past that you wouldn't like put on CNN or Facebook? And for the rest of you, repent right now of lying. Amen. You don't have a pristine past. I'm not just talking about some terrible, known, qualified sin. I'm talking about sins of omission, not just sins of commission. I'm talking about just sins of activity, but sins of attitude. Have you ever wanted to slap somebody? Repent of that. And for heaven's sakes, don't do it. Especially now, people will shoot you. But you can tell the devil where to go. You can tell him to pack up his bags of accusations. Amen. Listen, 
Now, therefore, now, now that you're a Christian, now that you're saved, now that you're washed in the blood, now, therefore, there is, come on, this is for your conscience, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Amen. For the, for the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. You know why that vicious circle of sin and death, the soul that sins shall surely die, you know why it's broken? Because my sin was forgiven and my sin was forgotten and my sin was remitted through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? And that law that held me in bondage and a prisoner has been broken and I have been set free. For whom the Son sets free is free for rizzle. For real, indeed. Hallelujah. Wow. Who has a God like our God? Who does what? That pardoneth iniquity. What's David start with in Psalm 103? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's in me. And forget not all of His benefits. And what is numero uno? Who forgiveth all of thine iniquity. And then healeth all of thy diseases. And then, hallelujah, blesses us with good things so that our youth is re- satisfies our mouth with good things. So that our youth is renewed like the eagles and delivers our soul from destruction. Not only does he bless our meal barrel, he rebukes the devourer for our sake. A meal bearer blessed of God that the devourer can come and put the bugs in and the worms in and putrefy and spoil it. Amen. Is not protected. But one that is under the blessing of God and that the devil is under the rebuke of God. That's the one I'm after. So the prophet goes down to Zarephath. He meets a widow woman who has a son and herself. She recognizes him as a prophet and something's in her heart to do. That sounds like the last thing you would ever think to do when it's just you and your son trying to survive a famine and you've got enough meal in your meal barrel for one cake that you're going to divide with your son and die. One cake and die. One cake and die. You certainly aren't expected to give. Under those circumstances. I said something one Sunday. Got in hot water. I said you can afford a jet ski. But you can't give to God. And I got in hot. Boiling water. Because it struck a nerve. I didn't know that person that bought a jet ski. Honest I didn't. I was just using it as an illustration. And really that person didn't. You know what it the nerve that was struck. I got money for everything. See, there's a time coming and the church can fall in it if we don't watch out that men and women be becoming lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Amen. I got money for what gives me pleasure, but I have no nothing for what pleases God. That's why I said when we move, I made a statement. I'm going to stand by it because I have nothing to lose and everything to gain to honor God the way He should be honored. No more junk for 
Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. If you've got something that you can't use and it ain't no good and you're going to throw it out anyway, please don't give it to us. Throw it out. It'd be better you give nothing than to dishonor God with that thing. Can you read Malachi sometime and you'll find out what I'm talking about. I said no more junk for Jesus. If you're going to honor God, it's got to be with the first fruits of your increase, not the leftovers. Can you say, man, God isn't receiving leftovers. You can't get blessed with your leftovers. David numbered Israel. And he got in trouble with God, and Israel was getting in trouble with God. Israel was getting, a plague came on the whole nation. And David said, I got to make a sacrifice to God. I got to sacrifice to God and repent and stop this judgment that's in the land. He wanted to buy a piece of land to, to build an altar and offer a sacrifice on. And he went down to Ornan's threshing floor. And he said, Ornan, I want to make a sacrifice to God and offer an offering to stop this judgment. You're dealing with God. This is not some organizational, denominational thing. You're dealing with God Almighty. This is holy stuff. When he tells Ornan what he wants to do, he said, I want to buy that threshing floor, and I want to build an altar and offer a sacrifice on it. You know what Ornan said? He said, if you want to do it for God, you don't have to buy it. I give it to you. And you know what David said? No, you will not. I will not. This is in your King James. I will not offer to God that that costs me nothing. Everybody say honor. Honor the Lord. With what? The leftovers? First fruits. Of what? Everybody's saying that like we all knew that. I didn't know everybody knew that. Can you say I didn't get it? I don't think everybody gets that. I think we mouth it. I'm talking about getting it. Is this the word of the Lord? Is it coming out of your Bible? Is this your king? Does he deserve honor? Can you just mouth the words? Can you just sing the praises? Love is not something you say. It's something you do. It's about honoring God. There will I command the blessing. Where were we so I can quit? (laughs) Zarephath. We were at Zarephath. He was where God told him to go. And she said, this man is a man of God. We're going to put a little place over here in our home and put a cot in there for the prophet. And he's going to want an evening meal. And we ain't saving it for me and my son for tomorrow. We're going to share it with him right now. Hallelujah. There was no other expectation except I just want to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing. I just want to be a blessing. There was a time when people wanted to be a blessing. 
there was such a time in the body of Christ when people really wanted to be a blessing to God's house and God's work and God's servant. <laughs> and she dipped that out and they ate that final meal. Amen. The next day she says, you know, I'm going I'm to just look and see if there might be just enough for for just a, some little something for breakfast. She just peeked in there, and there, there was meal in the bottom of it. Enough for a big breakfast for both of them. A grand slam. No, there wasn't bacon and grits and eggs and, you know what I'm saying, and ham. No, but there was enough meal to bake some more cakes, and they ate breakfast. Did you know something? That meal barrel never ran empty because God rebuked the devourer. Hallelujah. And did she need a blessing? Did she need to be sustained through the famine? Can you say, man, did God send her an opportunity to bless so he could bless her? You don't need to see giving as something that is taking something you need from you. It's providing something that you need to do so God can bless you and me. God spoke to me the other day to do something, and I did it. And I know I've sown that seed. And I said, Lord, thank you so much for the return of the spirit of giving on me. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is this biblical? Is this the word of God? Is this spiritual law? Is it? I appreciate Joe telling the lady, come to our church. He don't talk about money all the time. And I don't, do I? I'm not like somebody that's just harping on this. God got on to me. He said, you better tell them how to be blessed. Because he that soweth sparingly shall what? Well, if you're going to reap sparingly, somebody needs to tell you how to reap liberally. How many people before communion say, I think I need to make some adjustments. Wave at me if you think there's any room in your life at all to make some adjustments. I know there's room in mine. You can fall into that, I need, I need, I need, I need. When what you really need is to give. And before you think money, offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. By the way, when God gets your heart and He gets yourself yielded to Him, He gets everything else. It comes in one package. It's a package deal. During the Crusades, after a great battle, these Christian warriors who were supposed to now forgive their enemies and come into a peace treaty, a bunch of them got saved that was on that crusade. They were, not, they were just fighting for the Christian cause. They were not Christian. So a Christian general called 500 of his troops to be baptized. They went down into the water, but their hearts were filled with vengeance. And you know what they did? They held their swords up. They held their swords up out of the water. They were holding back. If I forgive, I can't take vengeance. And I'm so filled with hate, I'm not offering the whole of me. 
There's a part of me that's not surrendered. And when God calls you to offer your body a living sacrifice, it's I surrender all, not I surrender one-tenth. You ever heard anybody sing it like that? I surrender one-tenth. I, some people won't even sing that, but, you know, even that's wrong. I surrender one-tenth. Doggone it. I surrender one-tenth. One-tenth to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender one-tenth. Oh, honey, you haven't surrendered at all. I was in between jobs because I quit work so I could be in church on Sunday when I first got saved. Left the sure thing. and We went to church. We had our little grocery budget, just a small amount. Lady at church husband had left her high and dry. Left her, went, took his paycheck. Rent was due, no groceries in the house. We drove up in her yard, and Pamela and I started crying, just weeping. We looked at each other, and we both knew what each other was thinking. We took our grocery money and gave it to her. You know how it came to me? It came to me so I could give. <laughs> we were rejoicing in the Lord, even though we was broke as we could possibly be. We were praising God for salvation. Amen. <laughs> I, I was working part-time at a gas station. Lady come in, full service, and I serviced her car, and, you know, and she pulled out. Went around the block and came back. Pulled right back in front of the station. She said, she said, young man, I don't know why I'm doing this. And reached in her pocket and pulled out our grocery budget. And it wasn't a $50 bill. And it, it, it was a $20 bill because our grocery budget, believe it or not, was 20 bucks. We made it stretch. Can you imagine buying a week's groceries with $20? You've got to be back in the day. Amen. That was back in the day. And you can't eat a lot, I'm telling you right now. But you know what? When I blessed that lady... God took us through that famine in our life. He took us through that place in our life. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 So no more junk for Jesus. I, I, I must have the commanded blessing on the ministry. I can do without people, but I can't do without the blessing. You understand what I'm saying clearly. I can't do without the blessing. Here's a news flash. You can't do without it either. Without the blessing of God, you're left to your own devices. You're sunk. Why did that woman turn around? I didn't pour mouth. She didn't know my need. She didn't know me. Why did she turn around and come back and give me grocery money? Because give 
good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Who shall give to your bosom? Men. And that means women too. Can you say amen? I'm not a chauvinist. I'll receive from a woman. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I don't know if you've ever been blessed before. I don't know if you anticipate God speaking to somebody about you. Hallelujah. But I anticipate that. Woo! Hallelujah. I've been there. I've seen Him work. I know what He can do. He said, I'll bless you going in. I'll bless you coming out. I'll bless you when you sit down. I'll bless you when you rise up. I will command the blessing on your storehouse. Say amen. I've been cursed. Lord, have mercy. I've been called Jim Jones. I've been cussed out. My life has been threatened. I've been told I was the devil. I've been called names. I've been put curses on. Well, they tried it. Amen. Say, Brother Venable, did, did, did you survive? I know you're wondering, could I possibly get past that cursing? Had a witch sitting back at the church and cursed me. Had a lady said that I was a serpent. That old serpent spirit. Because I called her down and wouldn't let her tear the congregation up. Went to another church. I called the pastor out of consideration. I said, that lady that's coming to you is T-R-O-U-B-L-E. Jezebel, she's trouble. She caused me trouble. She caused you trouble. He took offense. Because when, listen, the devil, he can, he can turn you on the charm. And she was a charming lady. And a spiritually knowledgeable lady. But she was T-R-O-U-B-L-E. <laughs> he didn't pay me no mind. Three months later, there was trouble between him and his wife. His church was all tore up. False doctrine was tearing people up, alienating and polarizing them. Amen. And he had to deal with it. Can you say, man, I'm, I want to deal with it up front. I don't want to wait till there's a wedge between me and my wife. I don't want to wait till false doctrines polarize in the church. Amen. We put up with what we should put out. Can you say, man? Can you say, man? Hallelujah. You're looking at a man here who's not afraid to talk to anybody eye to eye. I've looked up to tall people. Took me in the office. One man come in drinking. He got in my office. He's about six foot three, about 200 pounds. Amen. Back then, I was 165 pounds ringing wet, but I was benching 300. He didn't know I was benching 300. Couldn't tell it. He grabbed my hand like that because I told him, you can't do that here, whatever he's doing. He said, well, thank you for being honest with me. But then he's going to squeeze my hand and hurt me. And he's going to, you know, the Indian, remember the Indian thing where you stand, whoever pushes the other arm back, he locked in on me. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to hurt him, but I ain't going to let him hurt me neither. So, (laughs) but I'd like him to know there's a boss here and it ain't him. Amen. And it really ain't me. It's Jesus. But back then I was, I was different. 
I'm too old to do that stuff now. Jesus will have to take over completely. But back then, back then, amen. I didn't, I didn't bench 315 pounds for nothing. Amen. There was something under that coat. He grabbed a hold of me and went to push him back. And I, I set myself. I didn't even say in the name of Jesus because I worked out. Anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. Four days a week, I was a gym rat. Amen. He, he, took, he thought he was going to take this little old guy and push me around. I shoved his arm back like that and squeezed his hand like that. And, and he said, Okay, uh, okay. And he turned around, amen, took his bad cell phone out, amen. I pray for his soul, but I wasn't going to put up with his mess. Can you say, man, ain't going to let nobody hurt you? Ain't going to let nobody hurt my family? Going to stand up for what is right? Can you say, man, ain't going to back down from what is wrong? And by the way, if you're looking for lowly Jesus, meek and mild, you don't want to tangle with the one that's coming. Because he ain't coming that way. And as the money changers in the temple, that's not who they were dealing with. He was lowly and he was meek. But he was a righteous judge. And he stood for the right thing. So down through the years, we've had a lot of crazy things happen. But we survived them all because of the commanded blessing. When a man's ways please the Lord, it'll never please everybody. Even Jesus didn't. But if it pleases God, there's going to be evidence. Even his enemies shall be at peace with him. Does that mean they're going to hug him and kiss him? No, that means they're going to find out they can't conquer him. So they better come to terms with him. Hallelujah. 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 So today there are people in this room that need to honor God. So if you're looking for a sentimental communion service, poor Jesus, the victim on the cross, this is not that. This is Jesus, the glorified, resurrected, ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father, coming again to judge the world and save His people. And He deserves honor and glory. And nothing less than our best. If we determine to serve Him that way, He will command the blessing. And quite frankly, Pentecostals are not not known for that kind of commitment. You know what we're known for? Going to where we can get a blessing, not where we can be a blessing. We missed church to go hear some prophet. We were young, following the people that were supposed to be mature. About half our church was over there getting prophesied over on a church night. They felt guilty because we looked at them and said, We know you. Yeah, yeah. We. And then they got real spiritual. Well, we just have to get our soul fed. I don't know. I looked back on it then. I didn't know no better. Now I know what they were over there for. They wanted to fall out. They wanted to get prophesied over. They wanted to get a liver shiver. They wanted to get a goose bump. Amen. They wanted a word from the Lord, not the word of the Lord that was being taught in our church. They wanted something to titillate them. Most of them shipwrecked. The people that are supposed to be our example, most of them honest to God over time, shipwrecked in their spiritual walk because they didn't get the word, 
They didn't get rooted and grounded in love. They had no realization of who God is at all. They just knew that touch and that power and that anointing. And the guy prophesying over them finally messed up and went off the rails. Caught him at the no-tell motel. And I don't want to go off the rails. Come on. I got too much invested in our marriage going on 55 years. I don't want to mess it up now. I got too much invested in my walk with Christ. I don't want to lose my testimony at this stage of my life. I got too much invested in being a minister of the gospel to just not hold a standard before God's people. How many want a standard held before you? If you need a blessing, how many know you need to be told how to get blessed? Once again, is there anybody in this room before we receive whole communion say, I believe there's room for me to make some adjustments. Wave at me. I'm waving with you. I preach myself right into the altar with you. Hallelujah. And I love it. Because making adjustments means that I can qualify for blessings that I couldn't get unless I make some adjustments in my life. Can you say, man, hallelujah. So I'm making them. It started today. And my wife don't know what I did. But she know I didn't do a whole lot. Because... Yeah. <laughs> It's all in here. Hallelujah. (laughs) The suitcase. Boy, you should see her biceps. Amen. (laughs) Terry, give me fist bump. Everybody getting mad at me, but you're laughing with me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I want a church that has a commanded blessing on it. Hallelujah. That has the unity and the love for God and the honor of God. So His Word works in our life. Cleanses us. Purifies us. Sanctifies us. Sets us apart unto God. Hallelujah.